raw, real, intimate. You are now tuned into Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. I'm your host, Via Simone. Let's get into it. Hey, what's going on, world? It's your girl, Simone, and you are tuned in to another episode of Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. Today's episode is all about Black fatherhood as we celebrate Black men on this amazing Father's Day. Before I go into who this episode is all about and who I've interviewed, I wanted to make sure I took the time out to acknowledge everyone in the capacity that they are honoring fatherhood today. You know, those who are first-time dads, those who may have lost their dads, those who may not have the best relationship with their father, but they're working on it, those who don't have a relationship with their father, those who are single dads, um, those who are co-parenting, those who may have lost a child. You know, we see you, we recognize you, we honor you, we love you. I just wanted to make sure that I was transparent about that. Um, But yeah, I spoke to three incredible black men today on today's episode. Uh, The first individual is a dear friend of mine. His name is Ryan. Um, We spoke to, to Ryan about preparing for fatherhood because at the time when we recorded the episode, he hadn't had the baby yet. Um, But now that the episode is being released today, he has had the child. Um, Him and his girl, Raven, had a baby girl. Her name is Rain, and she is so precious. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you all, especially for you to kind of hear, you know, how he prepared for this, this next phase in his life. Also, I talked to my friend Scott, who is the father to a beautiful son. Um, His name is Jace. um, And according to Scott, he's in his terrible two phase. So, you know, he has talked through the challenges of of having a toddler, but, you know, the rewards and the benefits of being a father to a black son, especially during this time. Talking to him was just so incredible. And I feel like there's so much you can learn from him as well. And then lastly, I talked to my own creator, my own dad. Um, I thought it'd be really dope to have a conversation with the man who raised me and who instilled so many um, incredible values values in my life. Like, I feel like I've learned so much from him. I get my, my ambition and my hustle and my tenacity and just my drive and just my, my passion from him. Um, I literally am my daddy's child. I am a daddy's girl. He is a girl dad. We just have such an amazing relationship and I am just so grateful to have him in my life. Be sure to subscribe, listen to, and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you consume podcasts. And make sure that you follow us on social media, um, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Bonnets do rags no and in between so it's b-o-n-n-e-t-s d-u-r-a-g-s for more social content so yeah let's get into this episode hi ryan how are you today how you doing sim i'm good nice to see you it's been a while yes it's been such a long time i miss you too how's everything in new york everything's all right i'm still i'm in albany right now um i've I've been here for two months. I came up here in April um, to kind of get away from all of the coronavirus craziness. And I was supposed to go back this weekend, but with all the protests and the curfews, mm-hmm. everybody was like, you should wait another week. Are there no curfews so, in Albany? Is it? Is it there are. The, it's 8 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but there, there is literally, I think there's only one riot on Sunday. 
Mm-hmm. And then I, we haven't seen or heard anything else since. But they tore Central Ave up. Beauty supply yeah. store tore up. Like, everything. I'm, I'm pretty sure Albany is the better the better of the two. Better than being in New York City with all the yeah. going on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, as a black man, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Like, how are you processing everything that's going on? Um, honestly, I think it's just really hard to process. This has been something that um, has been continuous in the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every couple of months, there's another name to add to a hashtag. And I think it's just really tiring at this point. Yeah, right. I haven't even gotten around really to watching the last few videos. So I haven't watched this video um, of George Floyd. I haven't watched um, Ahmaud Arbery's video. Like I just haven't watched any of those videos because at this mm-hmm. point, it's just really difficult to stomach. Yeah. Um, I visually like I just don't want to see it, um, and I think it's just tiring because like we end up in the same situation. Like we protest, we riot, um, we do all these things, and then these police officers get off. Um, duty scot free, so it's just it's really tiring to actually like experience this and just knowing that um, nothing's being changed. So I think that a lot of people are angry right now and they have mm-hmm. every reason to be. Um, so hopefully that kind of like evokes some change for the future. Right, I totally agree. Before you know, I just realized the audience doesn't even know who you are. Like, can you please? <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you please assumed, give an introduction? <laughs> I, I came on here like I was a public figure. Um, like, right, you are, you are, but <laughs> no, um, please give it every introduction. <laughs> so, um, my name is Ryan Small. I'm the assistant director of disability services at um, a school in South Florida, so it's Florida Atlantic University. Um, so, I moved out here a little while ago. Um, prior to being here, um, I was in New Orleans, I'm living there for a couple of years, and um, of course, my hometown, Brooklyn, New York, um, mm-hmm. where I'm from. So, I've been Brooklyn all day, the best place on earth. Um, but yeah, that's, really, why'd you leave? <laughs> <laughs> well, New York, if you're from New York, you know that New York is acquired and that yeah. it's, it's a fast pace of life. So I think I just need to pump the brakes a little bit and get some space and some sun. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. So why the why the move to Florida? You were in New Orleans. Why did you move to Florida? Um, I think that New Orleans is probably one of my favorite cities in the world. I think the black culture is so embedded. Um, and the people there, people from New Orleans, they love New Orleans. Um, I don't think there's any city in the U.S. that's like it. Um, but I think professionally, um, if I wanted to grow and kind of like reach my fullest potential, that it just wasn't going to be the place that I can do that, especially being in the education field. Um, I think that um, being that New Orleans is the poorest city in America um, in regards to median income and um, just that they just haven't made a lot of headway in regards to education. I think they have a lot of work to do. And um, just at my age, it just wouldn't be the right time. Uh, maybe one day I'll go back, but um, just right now, it wasn't the best decision. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. That's real. What I was going to ask you um, is, are you looking to settle in Florida? I know you said you, you might go back uh, to New Orleans, but do you, now that you've been in Florida for maybe about a year, a little less than a year, do you see this as a place of, of you settling down and raising your family. I think anyone who knows me knows that um, settling in a place is probably not my thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I'm not completely sold on Florida. I think anyone who knows of Florida know that it's a crazy place. Um, yeah. South Florida is a little bit better than the rest of Florida. Um, so I'm not completely sure yet. I think, ask me that 
in a year or two, and I can answer, okay. I can give you a definitive answer. But right now, I'm not 100% sold on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, in a year or two, things are going to be so different for you because you are expecting. Yes, any day now, actually. Um, any day now. How do you feel? Like, what was your gut reaction to finding out that your your partner, her name's Raven, right? Yes. How was it finding out that Raven was pregnant? Like, oh my gosh, like, give me all the details. Man, so um, I was actually away with friends in Orlando, um, but she's like, you know, like, I I don't, I feel weird and everything. And I was just, you know, me always joking. I said, like, you're probably pregnant, to be honest, but um, <laughs> she's like, I don't think so. She's like, I missed my period or like, I'm just not entirely sure. Um, okay. So um, while I was there, she actually, I told her, I was like, just wait till I come back. Um, to take a pregnancy test, but knowing her, she just, she couldn't wait. So she took it um, and she didn't tell me. So then like I bought, and then she said, it said that she, no, it said, um, it didn't give like a definitive answer. So we're like, okay, cool. And then, so I went to um, the supermarket and I bought like the, the clear blue with the digital. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay, top notch name brand. Yeah. Accurate. Like I'm like, I saw, right. I saw this on the gram, so it has to be accurate. And um, so we did that together and it was like instant. Like usually they like wait up to five minutes and it said instantly, like both of them said. It was like pregnant. Yeah, like, <laughs> pregnant as fuck, <laughs> essentially. So, um, yeah, so I wasn't, I actually, I'm trying to figure out like how I felt. It was just, I think it was more like the shock. Not that like, you know, of course, like you're, you're having sex. Of course you, you're pregnant, like everybody. Um, but um, I think more than anything, it was just really shocked. Like, wow, like this is a, a big life thing that's happening um, mm-hmm. us. And just kind of like um, being in that moment, like we're gonna raise a child together, um, like creating a family. And it seemed like it was gonna be like a really long journey. Um, so mm-hmm. Crazy right now being towards the end. I think the craziest part was um, telling our parents because we're like, wow, like, so, uh-huh. <laughs> hey, we're actually you're gonna be grandparents, and it's gonna be uh-huh. first time for both of them. So they're both um, really excited, um, over eager at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm just telling our friends like how we're gonna tell everybody. Um, so it was just mm-hmm. it was just a lot that went into it, but um, it's been nine months and two days at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So the baby is overdone. Like, yeah, so overdone. It's overcooking. So um, we have a patient one, and we don't know the gender. So I think that's um, everyone's like, you guys don't know the gender. Like we didn't, yeah. we didn't do gender reveals. We didn't do like we just um, decided that we were gonna go all the way. And the only thing that we really want at this point is a healthy baby. Like I feel like mm-hmm. like we can't we can't change the gender at this point. Like there's nothing right. that we can do. Um, and I don't know if I'm I'm like fifty fifty. So it doesn't it's not really affecting me that much so we'll find out any day now yeah, i mean you guys had the greatest pregnancy reveal on the timeline <laughs> ever like you guys were in um trinidad right for yeah. carnival yeah we were in trinidad for carnival but that picture that i uploaded to instagram was actually taken in tobago um at pigeon oh. point so um it was russell and ciara inspired so i give them, yes. I give them that credit. <laughs> we just try to like up them one up them a little bit uh-huh. uh-huh. You did. <laughs> I, I literally I threw my phone and screamed. I was like, Why is it And at that point I don't think I think only like five people knew. So uh-huh. even like people that were in Trinidad, like I didn't see them. Not on purpose. It's not like we were like trying to hide it, but like we just I think we're pretty private as people. And um so we didn't tell a lot of people. So probably five people knew at that point. So everyone was like texting us, like, Are you like how did you not 
how did six months go by? Like, how did you not think <laughs> and I was just like, it, it didn't come up in conversation, which it didn't. Like, it just it's not a conversation yeah. started. Like, oh, hey, we're having babies. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> so, how long have you and Raven been together? Um, so, hmm, that's. I feel like I don't want to mess with these numbers. Um, so I've known her, um, since I was six. Um. You were six. I was six years old. Oh my God! Yeah. Stop. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, no, so we've always been really close friends. Um, mm-hmm. One, she's like one of my best friends growing up. So I'll say, if I'm putting numbers to her, I guess it was, I don't want her to hear this. I'm like, did you not know the numbers? She probably doesn't. I'll say like okay. like four years, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so this is something that obviously she's like a, a childhood sweetheart for you. You didn't even realize that she's always been integrated into your life. Yeah. So is this is this a conversation that you had had with her before about settling down and having children and raising a family and you know the things that you aspire to have with your partner? Um, yeah, I think that um, what usually came into conversation was like um, more of the generational curses that you want to break. Being um, black parents, like we're both first generation college students, um, so there's just so much that we would want to change if we were to ever have children. It's not like we like oh like we're gonna have kids tomorrow like this is the plan, but like it happened and. Um, I think she's an incredible person. I think we're both incredible people, and I think we're going to be incredible parents. Um, it's just more so trying to like figure out like what changes can we make to be better parents. Um, how do we create generational wealth? How do we um, start put our child on like a path that they're going to be successful in life without giving them too much? Where like we had to like work for like our parents weren't rich, but like we had everything that we needed. So I think mm-hmm. um, with us having um, master's degrees um, and being in pretty good fields of work, um, I think that this child is probably gonna have more than we ever had. So it's just like, how do we relate to a child that might be upper middle class or um, just living a life that we never experienced or going like maybe potentially going to private school. So it's just like, what do we right. do without giving too much? So I think right. is in the planning phase, um, like the advice that everyone's given to me that there is no manual, so you have to do it um, to the best of your ability. Um, so that's, yeah, that's generally what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking about generational curses, because that's a question I actually had for you. Um, but to flip that, what's a new family tradition that you would like to start with Raven in the new baby? Um, I'm very, you know, I think anyone who follows me on Instagram know, like I, I probably enjoy photography more than I give it credit for. Um, mm-hmm. so I definitely, um, want to be big on like capturing the important moments. I think when I look at like my friends who have children, um, they just grow so quickly. Um, like one minute they're one week old, and then they're seven years old. So I think like just capturing those family moments um, and creating like corny scrapbooks and <laughs> just to like remember. not corny, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like well, shut up, fly, step it up a little bit, so it's not like I'm yeah. cutting out pictures, but um, just kind of like capturing those important moments in life because just I feel like it's important to be present. In life, like I think about like the the childhood that I had, and I was like blessed to like travel and do all these things. So um, I think like being able to continue to travel um, and kind of like make the world a classroom for a little black child um, is going to be something that's really important for us. Right, right. And there's so much um, curiosity around this little black child because no, you don't know the gender. Right. And so if you and Raven both decided not to release the gender or, you know, just not even try to like find out because you obviously you want a healthy and happy baby. But, you know, doesn't it, isn't it nerve wracking to not know, you know, if it's a boy or if it's a girl, I'm team boy. I think it's a boy. (laughs) 
how do, I mean, how, how do you feel and how do you think that you will, um, you know, what differences do you think there will be in raising a black daughter versus a black son? Um, I think that in regards to differences, like I, I feel like being growing up and being a black man in America, like I can speak on my experience um, a different way than a black woman speak about her experience in America. Um, so in regards to like what my experience has been like going to being in the classroom at NYU and being the only black male in there or yeah. um, I think anything go wrong? Oh, sorry, my computer screen turned off. Um, so like being the only black student in the room, um, working in offices where I'm the only person of color um, having encounters with the police that weren't pleasant. Um, I think that, and just kind of like overcoming those obstacles, I know how difficult that was. Um, but um, I think black women go through a lot of the same things that we go through. Um, and mm -hmm. when you look at like the Breonna Taylors of the world, when you look at the Sandra Blands, like um, it's just like, I think as a parent, and even though like this child is not here yet, I'm just still focused on like your job is to keep this child healthy, happy, and alive. And it's just like, how do I do that? Um, yeah. If we're, we live in a system that doesn't care about people who look like us. Um, so it's like how, like when I don't have control over that child, of course, like when they work with me, like I can protect you, but it's just like, I think it's more of when you're not with me, when you're out with your friends, when you're going to right. school, like I want you to have a social life. I want you to be happy. I want you to go out. But then I'm also like, this world doesn't love you. Like your parents love you. Right. How do I teach you that? without sounding crazy, it's just like. Right, without being overprotective yeah. or being a helicopter parent, you know, yeah. And it's just like, how do I um, give you this this black culture that um, we've had or like the obstacles that we have to go through um, just to show you like people live differently from you, um, that your experience may be different from ours, but um, just never really forget where you came from and where your ancestors came from, where your parents came from, and that everything that you have, we, we built for you to have this. Yeah. This life. So I think um, just creating a child that's socially aware, um, articulate, being able to speak about their emotions, um, I think that's, those are all things that are going to be important to us. But um, in terms of differences, I don't really perceive too many differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's real. Um, there's so much pressure, pressure in society mm -hmm. on raising a Black child. So, you know, I, I pray for you um, and I, I'm keeping you in my mind and uplifting you with all this positivity, because I can only imagine how difficult that may be as a black parent in today's world, for sure. So, but yeah, something to, um, speaking to the the idea of social life, I wanted to ask you how, well, I mean, the baby's not here yet, but how have you been balancing, you know, having a work life and this some semblance of social life that we have during this pandemic? Like, how do you envision, you know, what that would be, what that would look like for you? Because you and Raven travel all the time. You go to all the functions, you know, you guys are just, you know, out there, but it's like, obviously becoming a parent, well, well ha you will have to adjust. So how do you foresee those adjustments? Honestly, um, I haven't thought too much about it, but I'm also, I think it's important is similar to anything else in life. Um, I think you have to have balance and you have to work on like, how do you create that balance? So um, I don't mm -hmm. think, I think a lot of times like, people have children and it just like, they feel like you have to give them your entire life to um, just to raise your child. And I don't, think, yeah. I don't think that's true. I think um, it's an adjustment um, and you just try to like find the best way to make that adjustment. So that means um, at least like if she's got all her friends for a night, like then I can stay home 
with the child just so like mm -hmm. because it's i can't imagine being um just focused on the child i mean of course like they're going to be a child but not focused on like having a life outside of a child um, right i think that's for the most part when you think about like children who go to college um their parents are just like man we have an empty nest but we haven't done anything for the past 18 years so i think it's important to like keep your core group of friends um Hopefully more of our friends start having children. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we can just have like friend groups with kids. But I think uh -huh. it's important to find that balance um, and being able to um, not stop your life for a child. So like if we're doing vacations, now we have to adjust to adding a child on a child ticket, a child passport, like mm -hmm. all that good stuff. <laughs> um, but just kind of like adjusting my itinerary to add a child there. So I think it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a work in progress, but um, I think we're capable of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. How have you both been preparing and nesting at home since the babies do like literally any minute now? Uh, um, honestly, I think it's just in my head. I just keep trying to like physically imagine like a child actually being in that home. So like everything is prepared. Like I'm literally been like Bob the Builder, just building. <laughs> First of all, like I don't know what these directions on these child contraptions are. Like it's actually insane because I'm over mm -hmm. stuff. I put together like a crib a couple of weeks ago, um, the best I sleeper. Like I'm just, I just have a lot of contraptions in my home that I just never understood that a child would need um, coming in. So it just looks like a child is already there already. Um, right. But just kind of like making our home like more comfortable. Um, we like, we had like an empty bedroom. So we just turned it into like a, a guest room nursery because I know our moms are just going to be, actually her mom is actually currently here. Oh, she's here? Oh, she made it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, like, so she's in the guest room um, with the crib and everything. Um, so just trying to make our home feel more um, comfortable for the arrival of a child. Mm -hmm. Do you have any baby names picked up? Um, so, <laughs> funny enough, um, I don't have any baby names. And what? I, I think... Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, think, I can judge. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like we're taking the white people approach. Um, but... <laughs> Um, I think that um, when I think about names, I think that your name is so important to your identity. Um, mm -hmm. I think that when you do anything, like it should be done with intent. And so it's the reason why we didn't just, like, of course, like we probably have like names like lingering in our heads. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like until you like physically meet that child, like you just can't name them. Yeah. I feel like that's something will speak to you yeah, like when, something, like, when the baby arrives. Yeah. His temperament, something like. Cause like I grew up being a black Brian, which you know, like I I feel like uh -huh. I made it my own, but I feel like it just wasn't maybe who I was. If that mm -hmm. doesn't sound insane, um, so I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I just wanted to have intent. I want the name to be like representative, like of who the child is. So yeah, so yeah, we're taking we're taking uh, <laughs> our our brow is a little bit different from everybody else's, but. I mean, that's fine. No pressure. What do you think? What would you have wanted your name to be if you weren't a Ryan? What do you think you would have been, would have been named? <laughs> I feel like it, it works because like when I go to interviews, they're like, wow, we didn't expect you didn't say. Right. <laughs> we didn't notice. <laughs> like, oh, hello. Like, wow. But surprise. So I don't know if I like, I don't know if I could go back. Like apparently my parents had, um, they felt like I was a Ryan at first. So mm -hmm. I'll just leave that to them. Um, but yeah, I think I think now I'm fine with it. But like growing up, I'm like, was I really a Ryan? Like, yeah, look me in the face at birth. He's like, mm, Ryan, like <laughs> right. Ryan. Um, so not that like we want like a more ethnic name, but we just want it to be like unique to like who that child is. Yeah, and powerful. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I won't take up too much of your time, but before we we part, I wanted you to, if your if your future son or your future daughter were to listen to this message, what's the message that you want to leave with them? Wow, mm, that's a great question. Um, hmm, I think that what I want to leave with the child is that um, although this world may not accept you, um, we're always going to be there to support you. So I think that um, when you look at um, Dwayne Wade and his son and um, well, his daughter mm-hmm. and how um, they had that's some it was a learning curve for them. I think that yeah. um, they were judged a lot. They were critiqued um, for their love of their son. Um, but it's just that I feel like as a parent, you have to continue continuously evolve and grow. Um, even the things you don't understand, you have to educate yourself. Um, yes. So I can't imagine how it's going to be 20 years from now. Um, right. When I have a 20 year old and I'm just like, I don't understand the world, but um, <laughs> that just the promise that I'm always going to continue to love and support you even when I don't understand. So that's going to be me just allowing myself to be vulnerable to understanding, um, having the willingness to learn and um, just continuously supporting them. I think that's all you can do as a parent. I think that was something that was so important to me because my parents did it for me. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I will always want to extend to um, my future child or children, depending on how life goes. But yeah, I think that would be the most important thing. Absolutely. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Ryan. Like, I am so excited for you and Raven and your family. Here's to birthing a happy, healthy baby. Teen boy over here, but you know, I'll wait, I'll wait for the announcement. <laughs> I, I think he might be teen boy too. We, 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 really? I think it's probably about, I think it was actually like 51% um, boy and 49% girl. So I'm, I, I'm really? actually, I'll just have to tell everyone. I don't know. Yes. Yes. I a big Instagram thing, but right. (laughs) I think it's a boy because I I look at women. It's weird. I look at women and I see how they carry, Mm -hmm. and her stomach is so low for her frame. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's a boy because he's heavy, and you know she still has her frame. And girls, like baby girls, just suck the beauty out of (laughs) their mom. And Raven still looks stunning. So I'm like, yep, that's a boy. (laughs) Every outside, like everyone just throws their guesses out. They're like, uh-huh. well, it's a girl, it's a girl. And then like, yeah. a lot of people later, it's, like, it's, a, it's definitely a boy. Like, that's how I look on it. So it's just like, it's interesting to see, like, the, how you said that carrying low. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see soon. So yeah. I'll, I'll let you boy. Know. I'll yes, know. please. <laughs> boy or girl, they're going to be a great addition to your family. And I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much, Simone. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I'll talk to you soon. Love you, bro. Love you too. Bye. Be safe. Hey, Scott, how are you? Hey, Simone, I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for wanting to chat with us. Oh, look at that. They ready in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Once it's time. Yes, yes. Um, So like I had explained earlier, this episode is all about Black fatherhood and celebration of Father's Day on Sunday. And I'm so excited to talk to you, especially as a dad, as a Black dad, as a Black dad of a son, so before we go ahead and get into this conversation, I would love for you to just kind of like introduce yourself to the audience, tell people who you are, what you've got going on, tell us about your baby boy, like your business, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, my name is Scott. Um, I am father of Jace. Uh, he's two years old. I'm also a business owner for Envy of New York. 
Um, I'm on I'm on Instagram. Uh, try to stay up to date with social media as much as possible, although it's kind of hard. Um, but you can follow uh, the brand at Envy of New York. That's Envy of NY. Dope. You have such a dope brand. I love what you're doing with Envy of NY. So, yeah, love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jace, oh, my God, that's such a nice name. I love that. What was the inspiration behind that name? Um, so it's a... <laughs> So I actually wanted his name to be Jeremiah, but, uh-huh. you know, sometimes you got to, you know, get what you can get. So um, I, we just went with uh, Jace because that's like a short inversion of my sister, my, my, um, sisters, but my lady's uh, brother, his name is Jason. So she looks up oh, to him. Okay. Uh, she, uh, he helped, you know, take look after her, raise her. So that's, that's a little bit about the, the story behind the name Jace. Oh, okay. Yeah, saying homage to uh, someone who's very important in her life. Love to hear that. So tell me what was, like, your gut reaction to when you first found out that you were having a baby. Oh, man. That's, um, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was a lot of mixed emotions, you know, um, not really, like, anything of anger or anything like that. But it was definitely one of those types of things where you find out the news and, you know, everything kind of just stops. So it's like, wow, like this is really happening. And then it's like at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like, oh, my God, it's like I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Like, you know, I'm going to have my little kids play basketball with or like do drawings with, you know, stuff like that, you know. So, you know, it was an amazing feeling. You know, it was it was an amazing feeling like no other. I will say that. Yeah. Oh, good. Were, were you and your partner expecting? Like, were you planning on pregnancy or was it unexpected? What was that? Um, it wasn't like. Yeah, it was unexpected. Um, it was definitely unexpected, but, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of things that happen where, you know, God just put things into your life, and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just found it to be a blessing, and, you know, it still is a blessing to this day, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm excited to hear that you were enthusiastic about the news. Um, I don't know, do you watch Insecure one? I do. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I, I so thought you was saw was the last a episode. Bit. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Yes. I did. And I mean, it, it sparked a conversation on the timeline about like, you know, making sure like the person that you're with would be okay with having children with you because that, that response that Lawrence gave to Condola, I was just like, bro, like I, I get it. This is, this doesn't fit into your life yeah. plan right now but like that mm-hmm. i was just cringing i was like that was so rude but yeah, i just can't imagine definitely. being with definitely. somebody who wouldn't be excited about that kind of news so definitely refreshing yeah. to hear that you were excited <laughs> you yeah no that, that scene was definitely a little cringy because it was like oh man you're saying all the wrong things right now yeah you know? right after her why like what do you what what do you mean why <laughs> yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah well i, I, I what i did Oh, go ahead, sir. No, sorry, sorry. You, you can go. You go. I was going to say, um, so, like, what was the, like, what was the pregnancy term like for you and your, your partner? Like, you know, of course, you weren't the one carrying, but I know that you were there with her every step of the way. Like, how was yeah. that for both of you? Um, it, was, it was, you know, there's always these phases that, you know, happen throughout the, the process, well, not process, but while she's carrying, you know, um, there's the whole, you know, oh, you know, we have a baby on the way, this is exciting, and then it transitions into, you know, what do we have to do? We have to plan for this, this, and that. And then it's like around the six, seven month area where it's like, all right, you know, the mood swings are coming in a little bit, you know, let me just, 
trying to hold my tongue a little bit, you know, just thug it out. But, you know, um, at the end, you know, when we hit that, like, nine-month mark, um, she actually ended up carrying um, for about 42 weeks or so. So oh, wow. it definitely went past the due date, yeah. yeah. So once we got so past the overtime. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he was trying to get out, but, you know. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, once we got, you know, like, that day where we just went to the, to the hospital, it was actually snowing outside on the way over and streets were like crazy. But, you know, once we got there, you know, and he came out, it was like, wow, like, you know, this, this feeling is like, this made it all worth it. You know, all of the, uh-huh. the little petty arguments during the, during the process, like all those things just came full circle and, you know, it was just a yeah. blessing in the end. Yeah. I like, I've always heard that like, there's no love other than, than the love that you have for your child. Like, I'm pretty sure that moment probably felt so real for you. Like, a human yeah. that you created in your <laughs> exactly. arms. Like, exactly. it's so beautiful. Yeah, How long have your exactly. partner, you and your partner been together? Ooh, I can't get this. I can't get this one wrong. All right, so uh, it will be five years. Uh, this okay. This September. It's actually Labor Day weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can't, I can't even forget it. We actually met at uh, Made in America, a little close friend that I have, Shanice. Oh, okay. So, it's her cousin. So, we can, you oh. know, we met there and, you know, just been racking up the years since then. Uh-huh. I love that. I, the only reason I asked is because I wanted to know if you had been having conversations about, like, settling down and getting married, if that's what you wish to do, and having children with um, with her before, you know, Jace came along. Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to that, you know, I was always open about wanting to eventually get married, you know, have kids, you know, back, even maybe in middle school. It's funny, you think about these things when you're so young, it's like, all right, let's be realistic. I plan on getting married around the age of 30, maybe even 28, 29, having my first kid by the age of 30. Um, mm-hmm. It became a little quicker, but, you know, that was always my mindset. You know, I want that for myself. You know, I want that mm-hmm. with my partner. On the other side, he always said, oh, no, I'll, I'll never have kids. I'll never have kids. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, you know, but to hear the truth in the end, it was kind of surprising for me because she admitted that she always wanted a kid, you know? Like, she she loves being around kids. She raised her, she helped raise her niece and her nephew. So, uh-huh. you know, it, it was always just something that she really did want in the end. So, wait, why was she saying that she didn't want them then? I don't know, you know, it's just one of those type of things where when you're at a certain age, you're kind of in denial, but it's like you really want it, you know? Okay, that's fair, that's fair. And, of course, you know, like maybe she wanted to make sure that the person that she's with could be a great father, a great dad, you know? So, yeah, I I I totally get that. So um, now that you are a dad, how has it been like, well, I mean, we don't really have a social life right now, but like, you know, before (laughs) coronavirus. I was like balancing your social life and your work life and everything in between. Um, you know, it's been a little. It was a little hectic, you know, just trying to juggle everything. Um, he's two now, so you know that terrible two thing is actually real. It is a thing. Before I just thought it was like superstitions, but it is really real. I promise you that. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> he's just always bouncing off the wall. So trying to keep up with him, um, you know, while trying to handle things with the business. Um, and of course, with family and my relationship itself, you know, it was pretty difficult, but just trying to find discipline throughout the whole time and just trying to make sure everything was accounted for. So that, yeah. that was just my main focus, just making sure everything was good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
And then speaking of discipline, do how do you feel? What are your views on disciplining your children, like for bad behavior? Especially since oh. you're saying Jace is like going through these terrible twos. Like, you know, how how are you? I don't want to say condemning. That's a strong word, but <laughs> what do you what, like? How are you? What are you I'll saying you. to him to help him understand that you know maybe what he's doing is not okay? Yeah, I mean, say something. Are you okay with spanking butts? Like, what are yeah, your thoughts? I mean, on that? <laughs> you know. I, my grandmother was real heavy in my life. You know, she was the main person who raised me. So she uh-huh. was a southern woman. So, you know, being from the south, you uh-huh. you know, get switches out there. Yeah, the switch, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, um, I'm I'm kind of used to, like, I'm, I was raised like that. But for me, mm-hmm. I don't really want that to be the first resort. You know, it is about the tone when you speak to, speak to your child. Um, yeah. You should definitely try to figure out a tone that works for them. Um, some type of like facial expression that lets you know that they're di- you're disappointed in them, and it, it, they mm-hmm. kind of pick up on that. You know, kids are real mm-hmm. smart. Sometimes you don't really, we don't give them enough credit. You know, sometimes they definitely deserve more credit. And they understand what they're doing most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not against you know after the fifth or sixth time, maybe a little, maybe a little hand, you know, something. But you know, I'm I'm not for you know you know, hurting the child or anything like that. I, I think mm-hmm. we, we have to find new ways to discipline our children besides, like, feeding them. Uh, that's something we have to move away from. Right, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because one question I have been asking my guests are, like, you know, what is a generational curse that you'd like to break or, like, you've broken already? Like, something that your parents may have done um, or didn't do that you, you know, wish that you can do or want to do for your child. Yeah, I mean... Just me being in my son's life is already like a great head start for me because mm-hmm. my my father wasn't really in my life to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. he was up until about the age of five or six, but he wasn't consistently in my life. Maybe okay. he would pop by the house, you know, say hi, check up, like check in on me. But you know, around the age of like seven, he actually ended up going. You know, he got locked up around my. When I turned seven, he got locked up. So mm-hmm. um, he was in for about ten years. So that was ten years of me just trying to figure out life for myself. You know, what wow. felt like a male role model. I mean, my male role models were like JV and Pharrell. Those are people who I had to look up to because I didn't have like an immediate male role model in my yeah. in my environment. So yeah. I just want to make sure that I'm that type of person for my son where he can look up to me and say, you know, like, you know, he provided for the family, you know, because when I look at, you know, TV dads, everyone says, oh, you know, there's Uncle Phil versus Al mm-hmm. Bundy. So it's like it's two different <laughs> types of dads. You know, one dad's on the couch with hands and pants and dear another, and the other father is like leading his family guiding them mm-hmm. through, you know, tough situations and, you know, providing the extra love and care that, you know, families do need. And I hope to always be that for myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are some lessons you think that you've learned from Jay-Z and Pharrell? Um, I would say, you know, for me, discipline is very important because it's one thing to know what you want to do and to have everything in front of you that you want to focus on. But know to not do the proper things to make sure that you know you're going down the right track um that that's crucial you know you have to make sure that's always intact um so that's mm-hmm. one thing that I want to make sure that he knows like how to make the best use of his time um how to make great decisions and a lot of times we feel like life is the best teacher but 
you know, having someone in your life that you can look to as a mentor in a way really does make a difference. So um, those are just like a few things that I would want him to realize from a young age, because those are important, mm-hmm. especially for, you know, a, a young black man in America. You know, those things really do separate you and help you further down the line. Right, right. How do you, how has it been for you raising a young black man in America, especially during these tumultuous times? Like, you know, this is, this is not new to our community. We have been going yeah. through, you know, injustices and, and racial discrimination and just, just murder and brutality for centuries. But it's like, how yeah. do you, and I, and I know Jason's too, but it's like, how do you have those conversations with your, with your sons, your black sons? Like, I can only imagine what may be going through your mind. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, right now, I'm in, like, a situation where I feel kind of numb, you know, because all these Mm. things have been happening for so long. And it's sad to say that I feel numb, but, you know, sometimes I do have those reality checks where it's like, you know, I can't feel numb because, you know, whether I hate it or love it, I am raising a son in this world. So I have to hold it down for him. And for as long as I can, I'll hold the weight, you know, of the world on my shoulders until he's old enough to start asking questions. So right now, I really am preparing myself. I'm listening to um, a lot of the black mothers that are around me and a lot of other other black fathers that are around me, just trying to just take notes, um, just learn so that I can pass on everything that I need to know to him. I feel like that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah, absolutely. What's, so I know you said that your dad wasn't really around in your life as consistently as you would have liked. What's something you learned from your mom? Um, so something I learned from her is how to be able to take care of the people around you, but still make sure that you're putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a little time where she did suffer from depression. Um, mm-hmm. She kind of kept it to herself. Um, there were a few things, you know, that she went through, whether it was, you know, fighting cancer or just dealing with a, a school district that was, you know, stuck between like a weird time where there were, there were racist things going on um, that was affecting the school district. So um, it was like her being able to be a pioneer, you know, for her community. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's like something that sticks with me till, till this day. And yeah. um, I'll always be like, you know, a fan of her, you know, I'll always be like a groupie for her. Because I want to make sure that her legacy lives on. You know, my son, unfortunately, doesn't get to, you know, meet her because she has passed away. But, you know, I want to make sure that her legacy lives on through me and it continues to live on through him. Yeah. I I absolutely understand that. And I'm sorry to hear that your mom is no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I I know that you are going to carry that legacy well. Um, Another question I, I. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, another question I had is, uh, what has been the most rewarding and the most challenging thing about being a dad? Um, I do want to say sometimes, you know, I always pride myself on having the most patience in situations, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, ever since he's turned two or approached the age of two, my patience has worn a little thin. So mm-hmm. um, that is something that, you know, I am continuously working on. Um, but just aside from, aside from that, you know, just being able to always pay attention to the things that are going on in, you know, in my immediate environment, um, that's something that I always try to do because you never know, you know, with him, one thing can happen, he can be fine, and then something will happen where he's in a situation where he may get hurt or 
I, he's in a comfortable where he's not, he's in a situation where I'm not the most comfortable, especially with COVID going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just always want to have to stay on my toes. So that's something where, you know, I just want to make sure you know, he's safe, he's good. And, you know, I'm just doing by, right by him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the most rewarding thing? Uh, the most rewarding thing I would say is uh, having someone where I can really, you know, just cradle them. Um, well, yeah. not cradle them, but, you know, someone where I can hold, someone I can hold. Yeah. Them. yeah I mean, you know, he's my son, so when I look at him, I see myself in a way. So I want to see mm-hmm. the better, you know, the best qualities and the best traits in me. And, you know, not all the bad things, the things that I'm still trying to outgrow, those bad tendencies that I have. Like, I want to make sure he has everything that's good. Mm-hmm. What, like, bad tendencies, like what? If you don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's no problem. I mean, you know, I can be a little stubborn sometimes. Um, okay. You know, unfortunately, I do see that kind of coming out through his personality and stubbornness. So um, that's what I'm trying to work on with him. But, you know, it's hard to work on work on that for myself because, you know, I see it in the mirror when I look at him. So it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. Okay. I mean, that's real. It's the first step is accountability and recognizing yeah. that. So. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> that I see. You're right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be a journey. I'll tell you that. Right. Listen, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so share a lesson um, that you've always wanted to instill in, you know, in Chase or your future children, if you do decide that you um, want to have more children, like what's the one lesson that like when they get older, they're going to be like, oh, man, my dad always used to say, like, what's that thing? Yeah, I would say um, just allow yourself to be vulnerable. Um, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, that itself is kind of scary. But when you're, especially when you're, you know, someone who comes from a certain environment where you feel like, you know, the, the things are always against you, you know, just be open. You know, be open to change. Be open to anything that may, you know, present a good outcome for you because you never know. You know, there may be people who come into your life where just for a season and then, mm-hmm. you know, you should be able to welcome them in. You know, you have to be able, be able to be vulnerable to love, to friendships, uh, to new situations, to job opportunities, because you never know. You just never know what what they can do for you. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that lesson and that takeaway. I think that's going to take them very, very far in life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing is, like, you never want to just have the shield up. You know, I feel like we always mm-hmm. put the shield up, this imaginary shield where it's like, we don't let anything bother us. Bother us. It's, it's not mm-hmm. like in our immediate environment. If we didn't put it there, then you know we feel like we have to just x everything out because it takes us out of our comfort zone. But you know, sometimes being uncomfortable, you know, it presents a new thing that you have to cherish. You know, like an important right. trait or quality about yourself that you never knew existed. So yeah. you know, you gotta be able to explore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they. What I've seen is people say that. um there is no growth in your comfort zone, so you exactly. have to, to get out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and I have one last question as we wrap sure, up. Sure. I'm the question. It is something that you want to leave with Chase. Like, what is that one piece of advice that you would leave with Chase and then that uh, piece of advice that you'd want to leave with other fathers? 
who have young children or are expecting children, what's one thing that you want to say to them? Um, I would say to always be able to put yourself in a position where you can make their life better, you know? So mm -hmm. for me, um, that's my goal. Like for with Envy, I want to make sure that the business is in a position where if I, for whatever reason, pass away, you know, um, you know, for unfortunate reasons within the next 10 years or maybe even the next five years, I want to be mm -hmm. able to have some type of financial situation put in place that protects them, you know, down the line, whether it's something that can go towards his, his college tuition, something that can go towards some type of a trust. I want something that he can have in his name at an early age because I feel like mm -hmm. sometimes some parents don't really, you know, pass that on to us. You know, unless they pass away, you know, we might get something in their will or something that's just left for us. But, you know, mm -hmm. to just start, you know, having that type of, you know, advantage for them because especially in the black community, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we don't really have that. You don't really see that, you know, that type of financial wealth start from a young age. You know, you have to build right. that up for yourself at, at already an older age, maybe already into your 20s. You don't really see right. – it, it's, a, it's, it's a miracle. It's miraculous when we see these children start these businesses at the age of eight, you know, and, yeah. and they're already setting, they're already setting with records. So, you know, that, yeah. that's something that I do want to always, you know, encourage other uh, parents to do, especially fathers, you know, because we always right. focus on, you know, what new sneakers we may have or, you know, the car that we may be driving and not like the longevity of the situation that we have. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and speaking of business, I wanted to ask you, what even inspired you to start NBA of New York? Um, so for me, it was really, um, I already, I always was interested in business, especially when it comes to fashion. So, um, the truth behind Envy is, you know, when my son was born, um, something really quick where all my peers were starting businesses. So, um, I always, I already was with a business, but it wasn't mine. So mm -hmm. I wanted to put something to the world that really spoke for myself, that really spoke for my mother's legacy. Um, I really spoke for, you know, what I hope my son to, you know, have one day. So mm -hmm. uh, the purpose behind Envy was to not really have any type of hate or jealousy towards another person, but to really understand exactly what they're doing in the world and, you know, understanding, you know, if you can do that, then you should put your full potential on the line and you should match that, you know. If you know you can do something, don't say, oh, I can do that. Oh, well, you know, you have to take the steps. You have to take the risk and put that into the world because you have to share what you, you know, what you can do with the world. You shouldn't hide that from anyone. You know, mm -hmm. we're not on, we're not on this planet to just keep our, our, you know, our natural born gifts to ourselves. We have to share it. So with envy, you know, that was, this is my gift to the world. You know, I want to make sure that it represents, you know, the people in the community that I come from. I want to make sure that it pushes people to be, you know, up there a hundred percent and not just ninety eight or ninety nine and fall short when, you know, they really can keep pushing to to strive for greatness and bring people along with them. Yeah, I love that. That's powerful. That I had no idea that but that was the, the meaning behind that, but that just makes it that much better. I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is um I'm gonna wrap up. That's those are all the questions that I do have. Is there anything else that you would like to share, maybe a project that you're working on currently that you want to share with the world, if it's just your social media or anything that you want to leave the world with? 
Go ahead. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, lately I've been trying to figure out like, exactly how I can use my platform to really, you know, help with the movement that's going on. So um, I do have a release that's coming out with uh, the Student Dream. Uh, it's a, organized, a nonprofit organization that helps uh, young adults, college students, as well as middle school children or high school students um, learn more about financial wealth, as well as help them when it comes to starting their own businesses. So I have a collab that's coming out with them for Juneteenth, and it really is to raise awareness of the community with everything that's going on. Um, this pays a little homage to the importance of protecting black women. Um, just, mm-hmm. just as they protect, you know, black men, you know, we have to be able to meet them or, you know, go a little bit further because they've done so much for us. And even beyond that, it's just paying attention to the power of the black dollar where we have to be able to invest in black, in the black community and black businesses. But at the same time, these black organizations and businesses have to be able to turn around and put that same effort and energy into the community. So. Right. That, that's just a few things that touches on. So um, it is coming out. It uh, should be coming out tomorrow on the 19th. So uh, just stay tuned for that. And it's going to be on the Instagram uh, for Envy of New York's Instagram and for the student dream. Amazing. I love that. Shout out to you. Congratulations on that. It's coming thank tomorrow. You, you. I, I can't you. believe Juneteenth is here already. Do you have yeah, plans for it? Up. I mean, right. I was fighting. I was fighting just to get the day off. You know, I just yeah. got. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just got introduced as a diversity and inclusion uh, committee member for my company. So, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was fighting for it for a long time. So, uh-huh. thank you, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, that was real big for me. And then, you know, it just so happened that it happened the week before the Juneteenth. So, you know, to hear that we get the day off, I mean, it's real big. It is real yeah. big. That is. It's, it's historic, honestly. I wish my company would get in line, but clearly yeah. they don't care. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Let I me not say that. They, they care. They're doing programming. But hey, they give don't don't off, get in so. trouble now. Don't get in right, trouble. Right, right. <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this was so great. Thank you again, Scott, for taking the time to chat with me. Of I wish you an amazing Father's Day this weekend. I hope y'all, like, have something fun that you're going to do socially distant of course um and i hope that you are showered with nothing but love and hugs and kisses and all that thank you so much i appreciate it thank you for having me it was a pleasure okay absolutely hi dad how are you hi simone how are you (laughs) i'm doing good um how was your day today uh it was uh, a comfortable day uh, things are kind of slow right now because, uh, you know, COVID-19. So um, mm-hmm. I'm taking advantage of that time by uh, catching up on a lot of work that, you know, uh, that's going to put me ahead of the race when we actually reopen uh, the medical center. Mm-hmm. And, and I know what... that you're – go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I know that you um, had mentioned that you're taking Juneteenth off because – Mommy has it off since she's a state worker, so that's got to be good. You guys are going to probably cook out yeah, in the backyard or something. You know, yeah. This morning, um, I was watching the news, and I heard that the governor made it a, a state holiday for for state workers. And, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, which is, which is nice that, you know, he recognized that day for, you know, his uh, African-American employees on the 
on the state side. Um, but when I got to work today, um, my staff, being that I'm a federal federal employee, my staff was wondering if it was a holiday for them. But mm-hmm. no news ever came that our president actually uh, made it a holiday for, for federal workers. You knew so, he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, the plan is, you know, Mommy told me yesterday, she gave me a hint. She's like, oh, they made it a holiday for state workers, and I'm off on Friday. So now that you're gone and you're back in New York, that's, that leaves a lot of time for, for me and Mommy. And yeah. so, because when you were here, you know, you guys were together all the time. But, yeah. um, you know, she's letting me know she's off, and, you know, if I wanted to do something, just, you know, she was going to be off that day. So tomorrow mm-hmm. is a day I, I plan, you know, first thing in the morning, probably go out and mow the lawn, get that out of the way. And in the afternoon, we may have lunch or go shopping. Uh, she's been on lockdown for about 90 days. And, you know, I'm going to love losing shop. Her mind. <laughs> Yeah, and, and she's got things that, um, you know, she wants to take back to the store and things that she want to look for. So, yeah. um, you know how much I don't like shopping. I will go with her. <laughs> And um, my plan is to bring me a nice cigar and probably sit somewhere on the bench and wait for her to do her shopping. Uh-huh. And then wait, later on in the day. Where are you smoking the cigar at? Uh, on a bench at? somewhere, not, you know, like outside on the bench or even in my car. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what like, did you, like what did you think places, of the – go ahead. Go ahead. A lot of places have designated smoking areas. Mm-hmm. And so – I respect that, and that's kind of like where I would be. Mhm. I was gonna ask you, what did you think of the cigar that I got you from Colombia? Like, what did it taste any different? Did it taste more authentic because it was from another country? Like, well, was that well, different? for me, since since uh, you know, um, you know, I smoke cigars, and for me personally, it's kind of hard to really taste it different in uh, a, a quality cigar and. One that's um, you know that are that are cheaply made. Um, I just you know I just enjoy it when I'm when I'm, I'm relaxed and it kind of relaxes me. Like when I'm sitting on the patio with mom and I got me uh, a, a shot of single scotch, um, single malt scotch, and she's drinking her wine and I'm smoking, puffing on a cigarette, and and we listen to music. A cigarette. <laughs> I mean, I'm you sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I stand, I stand corrected. I mean, a cigar. I don't uh-huh. smoke cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, neither one of them are good for you, but. I know, I but you, you know like the it. thing about it is, I only, I only uh, smoke a cigar during golf season, which is uh-huh. my passion, as you know. That's all I like to do. And when mm-hmm. I play golf, when, when we're done playing golf, um, you know, we sit around at the golf club, and um, we uh, smoke cigars and. We drink beer or, or or liquor, but you know it's just a, it's a it's a guy thing. That's what we do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We play golf, we have fun, and then we relax a little bit before going home to our families. Mhm. Yeah. Right. It's, there's a lot of camaraderie in in your golf community. <laughs> it is. You know, I th- I think golf right now, um, golf is the only place that feels normal, and the reason I say that because on a golf course. No one wears a mask. You know what I mean? And, and that's crazy. Uh, you know, it, well, you're, you're outdoors, and you're more than six feet apart from each other. And I guess mm-hmm. the recommendation, if you're six feet to, six feet or closer, uh, suggested that you wear a mask. But it's mm-hmm. like the only place 
We don't shake hands. Uh, you know, we do the elbow thing. And also, like, on the golf course, they have the flags, which we don't touch or pull out of the ground. You know what I mean? You just hit it. If it mm-hmm. rolls on the top, you pick it up. So there's not a, it, it, not a lot of things on the golf course right now that uh, us, us as golfers um, have to touch other than mm-hmm. our own club and our own balls. So, but, but for okay. me, like I said, it's the only place that seems normal because you look out on the golf course and you look around and no one's wearing a mask. And uh, we're just having fun. It's like a bunch of old men thinking they're little boys again. <laughs> that's I'm cute. serious. I yeah. like that. So um, for the audience that's listening, um, the reason why I have my dad, whose name is James, here is because I wanted to talk to him about his experience raising me, this princess, um, for 27 years. I'm his firstborn. Um, one of two, I have a little sister named Skylar. She's 22. But, yeah, Dad, I just wanted to ask you some questions just about, like, being a father, being a black father, raising black daughters, and, you know, literally everything that we've always talked about growing up. Um, I thought that, you know, you'd provide sound advice to my listening audience. Um, so, yes, yeah, let's get into it. So okay. the first um, question – go ahead. No, no. You already introduced me. I'm James Arrington. I'm Simone's dad. Um, I'm a senior healthcare executive working for the federal government. And uh, you can go ahead with your question. Okay, big shot, yes. So the first question. Yeah, big shot. <laughs> what, was the, uh, what was your gut reaction to finding out that mommy was pregnant with me? Well, it was kind of weird. Um, when we decided to have children, we were in our late 20s. So, we were kind of, we were kind of planned, we planned for it. And although we planned for it, when I found out that your mom was pregnant, I had butterflies, I was nervous, you know what I mean? And I was excited at the same time. So, mm-hmm. you know, most of my friends, they had children uh, right out of high school, right out of college. So I heard a lot of, a lot of, you know, I got a lot of experience from my friends and they talked about, you know, how, they dealt with the wife, with their wives being pregnant and, and, and raising their small children, uh, and, and especially daughters. So, um, when I found out, like I said, although I was, we planned it, I was still, uh, kind of nervous about it. Yeah, cause there's like, there's no manual to fatherhood, so. No, kind of, no. It's like you kind of learn as you go, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, when you are, when you raise yourself and you watch the way that your parents raised you, raised you, and the things that you know they instilled in you, and the things that they thought were important, and later on in life itself, you realize that the value of those lessons that you learned too. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of way you know it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what was the the pregnancy like with mommy? Like, obviously, you didn't carry, but you were there with her. Uh, you know, hand in hand, every step of the way. Like, how are you two handling that? Well, you know, it was it's it's just like uh, it was almost like us meeting again for the first time. We were like little lovebirds, although we had been together probably about nine to ten years before she got pregnant. But we just mm-hmm. grew even closer. You know, I watched her grow. You know, I watched her stomach grow. I went with her to her appointment. Uh, it was just you know, it was it was amazing. It, it was a, it was a, something very exciting in my life to experience for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. You know when when we um, 
went to the delivery room. Um, we didn't want to know what the sex was going to be. And I really thought that we were going to have a boy. And mm-hmm. there were signs, I thought, that indicated we were going to have a boy. And, and we got like to the what? delivery room. Well, you know, I, I can't remember. There was a couple things that old folks used to tell us that if, if they do this or your wife look like this or she's carrying low or carrying high. I don't remember exactly uh-huh. what it was, but there was a couple things that I had heard that said, well, maybe she's having a boy. But uh-huh. anyway, when we got to the delivery room, I'm all excited. I know that boy's coming. And um, so mommy was breached. And so that means that the feet were coming first. And they were pulling you out because you had to have a C-section. And your leg came out first. And then I said, oh, it's a girl. <laughs> And it was just a natural reaction because I thought I was having a boy. You know what I mean? It was uh-huh. just a natural reaction. And so then when I found out I had a girl, you were the prettiest little thing, I swear. And I was just happy oh, with just having a baby. You. And so, um, you know, it, it was just amazing. I think that's hilarious that you had your hopes yeah. up for a boy. It, it was <laughs> a natural reaction. And so, you know, in the delivery the nurse was like, what? I was like, no. And, and, this, and here's another funny part that, you know, being that I was a new dad, when after mommy delivered, they they handed you to me. And I said, aren't you going to clean it off? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't you know. You know I was <laughs> yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know. So. Uh-huh. That's cute. So I know that your life was somewhat different before, you know, I came around. Like you were working overnight shifts, right? And then like once yeah, I came I, into the picture, you had to switch your, your shifts around. Like what, like, what well, were you, you know, doing? Like what was, what were your hours well, like? Well, my, my, I was, I was in a position, uh, and it was, and the title of the position was administrative officer of the day. And basically what that position entailed, in a medical center, you know, uh, on off tours, there's got to be someone there who's in charge of the hospital, who runs the hospital. So at night, I was the AOD, and I was in charge of the hospital. And it was five of us, and we rotated shifts. So one week, I would be on the 8 to 4, and the next week, I'd be on 4 to 12, then 12 to 8. And uh, I had rotating shifts, which made it difficult for me to get the proper rest that I needed. But anyway, um, when mom got pregnant, uh, I said to myself, well, when we have this baby, I um, don't want to be working these different tours. I want to be home with my, with my with my baby and with my wife. And so what I did is position came up, and I actually took a cut and pay uh, just so I could be home evenings and nights with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, in, in um, probably five or six months after I, I, I got the new position, another one came along that put me on the career path to make more money. So, Oh, that's good. So you had to, you know, take a step back to see you can kind of propel forward. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it was something that's that I was, I I was that, that was something that I was reluctant to do. But, you know, when you have mm-hmm. a family, there's certain things that you'll do to try to, you know, make, make life as comfortable for the people that you love, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so how is it balancing, like, your social life and your work life all while being a new dad? Um, well, you know, you try to you try to um, fit everything in. Um, like, for instance, 
uh, on, on, a, on a, you know, I, I was a guy that played a lot of basketball, a lot of sports. So I would do those things early in the morning, um, most of the time when you and mom are still asleep. So I'd go out and play basketball eight in the morning on weekends. And, uh, then I'd be home back home by noon. And then in the afternoon, if we wanted to go out shopping or just hang out, I was av- available to do that. Um, so it's kind of like the, the same thing today. Uh, I don't play basketball anymore, but I play a lot of golf. It's a sport that a lot of guys, when we, we leave the young boys sports, we move into something else. Uh, I'll go golfing at six in the morning and I'm done by noon. So I can have the whole mm-hmm. afternoon on weekends with, um, you know, you and your mother and your sister. So mm-hmm. you prioritize things, you know, to try to fit everything in. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I worked every day. Mom worked every day. And uh, luckily we had, um, you know, our extended families. Our, my my mother who, who babysat you and, you and your sister for us that, that made us comfortable where we can go to work with a peace of mind, knowing that someone in our family is looking at our, looking after our children. Mm-hmm. And so um, everything always, my thoughts was always to include the whole family. So we mm-hmm. vacation together. Uh, we hang out together. Even like now with this COVID thing, we're sitting on the uh, on the patio most nights, and, and we're just sitting around talking. And mm-hmm. you're 27 now, and your sister's 22, and you just recently went back to New York. But the, but the 60 or 70 days you were here, I really enjoyed it because I didn't think that was going to happen again um, yeah. until probably later in our lives. But having dinner with you and your, having a dinner with the family every day, it was very nice. And having the opportunity to sit down and talk to your, you and your sisters, you and your sister as, as adults was very nice because I think about it. I, I, I raised babies into women. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That is, that is so true. I, I love being home. It's like I've been telling all my friends, like it's bittersweet being back here because, you know, I, I miss being home. I miss being around you guys. Um, but I, I do enjoy like my own space. And having my own privacy, but I definitely miss um, just the family bonding. Like my favorite thing was sitting outside in the patio with y'all and mommy making her little frozen margaritas and playing her yeah. old school yeah. Pandora station. Mm-hmm. So right. <laughs> definitely gonna miss that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, this so is like an unprecedented time. Exactly, and uh, she made it work, and we, and we enjoyed it. You know. Mhm. Yeah. So what another question I have is what is a generational curse that you'd like to break or have broken already? So for like example, well, something that your parents did or couldn't afford to do that you wanted to make sure that you did for your children. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't actually call it a curse but but when I think about it, you know, what's important to me is education. Because if you have education, um, you know, you you're a more round more well rounded person. You have uh, good social skills. And, and for me, you know, having two parents that grew up in the South and my father only having a seventh grade education and my mother having an eighth grade education, and it was mainly because they had to work out in the field to help their family survive. And so growing up as a kid, you, my dream was to, was to go to college. Um, this, I have four of the siblings, and I'm the only one in my family that, I actually uh, went to college, graduated with a degree. My, some of my siblings started school, but they didn't finish. So my thing was I wanted my kids to be educated. I wanted them to go to college and get their degrees and, and have successful lives, kind of like, like you're doing. 
Uh, your sister mm-hmm. graduated a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's amazing that, you know, 2020 is a year, probably one of the worst years in history. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't get to have her graduation. We didn't get to celebrate it. But I'm still happy that she stuck it in and, and stuck in there and, and, and got her degree. So now I have two daughters, and they're both uh, um, have their degrees. And so mm-hmm. um, from a kid, you, you remember, I always used to say to you and your sister that, you know, what was important to me is that you had excellent soft skills. That means that you, you read and write and speak really well. And mm-hmm. I always believe that if you have those skills and you read and speak and, and, and comprehend and, and present your thoughts in a clear and concise manner, you know what I mean? That's half the battle because a lot of times in the professional arena, that's kind of what you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know? And I think you guys both have excellent uh, communication skills. And so sky's the limit. You can do what you, you want. So I'm awful proud yeah. of that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we learned we learned from you. So, well, both mm-hmm. from you and mommy. But yeah, I know that was a, a major lesson that you instilled in us from very very young. I do you remember what I used to always say to you girls. Yeah, drink beer now, champagne later. Drink beer now and champagne later. There you go. And <laughs> it's funny you know that. It's funny that yeah. I I said that to you one time when you were here with your girlfriends. And I was telling you guys, you guys are like freshmen in college. And I said, eh, college is like drink beer and champagne later. A couple of your girlfriends said to me after they graduated, Mr. Erickson, I remember what you said to me. <laughs> and so it's funny that they were listening, you know. Right. Well, that's the yeah, way you no. look at it. You know, you set your goals, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, can you just kind of give like an overview of what that that symbolizes what that means for people who may still be just a little confused on it. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but yeah, give you a reasoning on yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty self- self-explanatory. It's basically you work real hard and the fruits of your labor will show when you graduate and get your degree and get a, 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 a great job and live a successful life. So people mm-hmm. that live successful lives, lives, they drink champagne. You know, mm-hmm. but on the way to champagne, they drink beer and other things before they got here, but the <laughs> ultimate goal is to drink beer, vodka. So, yeah. So uh, it's, it's uh, like from high school degree to a college degree or even more advanced degree uh, leads yeah. to success. So when people are, are celebrating things and a lot of times it's a, they drink champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So how is your relationship with your mom and dad? Well, um, I can tell you, um, I had a great relationship with my mother and father. It was exciting, or uh, it was good to to have them both in the house. You know, like a lot of days, you have a lot of single parents and uh, mother raising kids. It was five of us, and my father, my mother and father, was together. Um, the, you know, the whole time we were growing up, um, they struggled, but they. They made everything work for us. We had we had food on the table. Uh, we had clothes on our backs. We went to private schools. So they did a lot of things to try to make our lives better. Um, when you're a parent, your whole focus is that you want to make make you want to make sure that your kids have a better life than you had. So you know you instill your values and your goals in them, and hopefully they share the same and you know and and they'll want the same things 
out of life that they grew up with or even more. Mhm. I agree. Yeah. This is this is a, a random question, but what do you think was like the hardest age to to raise me at? Like what do you think was the most difficult age or like time frame? Um early if you can teens. remember. Thirteen. Early Your early teenage years. And, and I and tell you I why. One word. Boys. I knew you would say that. <laughs> you, oh my god. You like you like boys very much. It's okay, because you like I like boys. talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think you like talking to them late at night. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? And I was talking to a friend about this recently. Late at night was like me talking on the phone at like ten, eleven o'clock. Right, and when you late. think about that, that's not late. That is not late. It, so I was getting in trouble for nothing. School, it, it is for school age child. Yes, it oh, okay. Is. Now, if you were okay. in college, I would agree with you. But not when you need to get your rest and be prepared for school the next day. I was uh, fine for school the next day. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You you were a good kid. You gave me no trouble. Um, you know, like one of the things that I, I, I did with you and your sister, uh, and your mother is like, um, as a family, um, we would have nights where we just come together and just ask how your day, how was your day and talk about different things. And I always mm-hmm. told you girls that if you have anything that you need to talk about, just call a family meeting and we'll all meet in the living room and we'll talk about it. And mm-hmm. whenever you you did you, whenever you had something on your mind that you needed us to help you make a decision or or make something clear to you, you would you would request that family meeting, and that's what we used to do. And and I thought that was very nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity, you know, just to let everyone know that we love each other and we're on the same page, and we're here as a family trying to help each other grow. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate it. The, the open line of communication that we fostered in our family too. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. it, obviously it wasn't always like that, but as we got older, I felt like, right. you know, it was more important. And I think that's honestly what has, you know, made our bond even stronger. Um, like, I mean, I've always, I've obviously always been close to you, but I feel like I'm even closer to you now as an adult because there's so many things mm-hmm. that you've like taught me and told me and we spoke about, um, that just right. kind of, like, really resonate with me, and I, I completely understand. So mm-hmm. Simone at 7, Simone at 17 thinks very differently than Simone at 27, you know? So Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I'm going to wrap up in a little bit, but one other question I had was, what does raising black daughters mean to you in today's society? Like, what are some lessons that you've taught me and Skylar um, about prejudice, about racism, about sexism, like share with the audience, you know, some of those kinds of conversations we had growing up. Cause you know, obviously you weren't, you know, shy about expressing those things and, and saying, you know, what kind of world we live in and how we're going to tackle that world. So I would love to hear what you, you know, would say to us. Well, when we girls were small, of course, um, as I pointed out earlier that getting an education um, was important to me. And so I had to make a tough decision. Um, you know, when you, when you live somewhere, you want to try to put your kids in a, in an area where they have like the, 
the better school district. Uh, when you guys grew up at in in, in uh, Bethlehem, New York, Bethlehem uh, schools are one of the the best in the whole capital region. And so because of that, that's an area that um, I wanted to live in so that you can go to a school like that. But mm-hmm. the, I also had to consider that moving to this area, you wouldn't see a lot of people that look like you. You know, I mean, even even so, we moved into this neighborhood 20 years ago. We were one of the first families. Um, my thought that more black families would eventually move into the neighborhood and it would be more diverse. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen because I guess at each phase, we got in at phase one, and there were five phases. So each phase, um, the homes was costing more and more money. And so, you know, it was difficult for, for you guys um, not seeing other black kids uh, in in the neighborhood. But, but you, you know, you, you dealt with it well. But I pointed out to you kids, I said, well, when you get to high school, I believe you're going to see some changes in the relationships that you have with people. I said, because usually around high schools when kids, you know, they start pointing out differences. They know there's differences, but they start pointing them out like in, in, in high school, and then they start forming the groups that they hang with. I remember telling you guys that when you get to high school, you're going to hear people use some language that's going to be uncomfortable. So be prepared mm-hmm. to hear and when you hear, you know, this is how you should should behave or react to it. I remember you telling me that there was a friend of yours that you had lunch with every day, and then she um, she started dating a boy, and, and the boy asked her why was she having lunch with you every day. And that kind of bothered you, and you came home and you talked to me about it. You this know was what I mean? And I said, school? well, excuse me? This was in high school? Yeah, this was in high school. I think it was a a sophomore in high school. You may not oh, wow. remember. I don't yeah, remember not, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you said to, you know, you came home and you told me about it. And I said to you, I said, Simone, where are we at right now in our lives? And you said, Dad, we're right where you said we were going to be. You said, when I got to high school, I was going to meet some people who were going to be prejudiced. And here, and yeah. here we are. You know? Right. So remember told, that and, time? And, Oh, go ahead, and I'll get to it. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I want to hear your thought. Go ahead. I was just going to say, remember that time that um, I was in algebra class in ninth grade? And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously I came from the Catholic school, so we hadn't learned algebra yet. And so that subject was pretty new to me. And so the teacher gave, like, a pop quiz. And, you know, know, I had been struggling with the class, but I had been going, like, to him after school every day trying Mm -hmm. to learn, trying to to figure it out. And I remember when I did the pop quiz and I was the last one to fit. Well, I didn't even, I didn't even finish, but I was the last one who was still working on it. And the teacher came over and was like, give it up, Simone. You're not going to get it anyway. So you might as well hand it in. And he said that in front of the entire class. And I just remember mm-hmm. being mortified. I handed in my test and I went to the bathroom and sobbed. I think I was, I think I might have only been at the school for like two, three months. And I just right. was like so humiliated, but I remember coming home and telling you and I think that you must have called the school and cursed them out because no no I was professional but after okay yeah, yeah I was gonna ask yeah, you, I, I never knew what you said to him or to a teacher or you know principal whatever like what what was that conversation like on your side I'm I'm trying to remember but I I, I recall sending him an email message I think it was I tried calling him and I couldn't reach him and I sent him an email message 
and I pretty much told him how dare he speak to you like that, and that mm-hmm. you were there to learn and not to be, uh, you know, make, you know, not to put you down in front of the rest of the class. He apologized for future because what happens a lot of times is if they know that you don't have anyone at home that cares about you, they'll treat you that way. Yeah. After the school learned that they knew that you had a mother and a father at home in your corner and wasn't going to tolerate that type of behavior, I think we didn't have any more problems after that because and every time they had something at school, your mother and I was there, you know, we represented, uh, we would call the teachers, we would talk to the principals, we would talk to the counselors. They knew the earrings in the family. Mm-hmm. And so I think by doing that, they gave our children more respect than they probably would have if you didn't have parents that were involved in your education. But one right. of the stories I want to tell uh, about when you were when you were a freshman in college, and I said to you, I said, Timon, when you get to college and you have to write papers, um, you know, I'm a college graduate. I have some knowledge. I can help you. And so initially, you know, when you started writing papers, I would, I would, you know, you know, give you, I would assist you. And so one day you said to me, you said, Dad, I don't need your help in doing my papers anymore. I have my own thoughts. And I felt some type of way about that, you know. And I said, well, <laughs> she'll be back. She'll be back and wanting my help. You never came back. And hey, look at where <laughs> I'm at now. You never came back. And so I started looking at the stuff that you would write, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's so intelligent. And I feel that way now. Um, you, you. You way more, more intelligent than I was when I was your age. And I tell you, I am so, so proud of you. You're doing really well. I know you took a cut and pay to move to New York City because you knew you could find your dream there. Now you're doing what you (laughs) wanted to do. You know, you had your goals. And my thing was I was never going to stand in the way of what you believe in, which sometimes parents do. I think I always allowed you girls to make your own decisions and that you have your own dreams, but be there to support you whichever way I could to make sure that, uh, you knew that whatever you decide to do, your, your parents are going to be in your corner. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Dad. I really appreciate that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it always um, has been my mission to make sure that my family is proud of me and everything that I do. So it really warms my heart to know that my parents are proud and that my yeah, sister looks up to me. Yeah, because I, I always wanted to raise strong and independent daughters. Mm-hmm. And that's what the both of you are. And yeah. uh, um, I'm not laying down and saying, well, I did my job. No, I'm a dad forever, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm a girl dad, dad forever. And, 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 you know, one other thing I want to mention, Simone, is when, when you girls was growing up even then, uh, then and even now, it was important for me, to, uh, for you girls to see me treating your mother nicely so you would know what to expect from a man. I just wanted to be an ex-role model for you guys, and, yeah. and that's what I, I tried to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that you, you feel that your mother and I have an excellent, excellent um, relationship. We've been together more than uh, about 37 years. You know, uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. how many? I'm, I'm, and and on one time you termed it as black love or something like that. We don't have any friends of ours. Well, we do have one 
one couple have been together as long as we have, but most of them have divorced and moved on or single mm-hmm. now. But I can say that, um, you know, 37 years and we still are in love and we're crazy about each other. And uh, it's still best do its part. Yeah. No, you, you, the two of you have been such a solid example of black love yeah. in relationships. Yeah. So. I've been yeah, very, yeah. very blessed to to be grow up in a household with examples like y'all. Yeah, you know, I'm telling you what, what I think it is is like in a relationship, you have to share the same goals and the same values, and and we're on the same page. And when you when you and what I mean by that is that you know, if my goal is one day to have a big house, and your mother's goal is not to have a house, just to have an apartment. We're not sharing the same goal, so we're never going to reach that goal together. But, you know, we sit down and we talk about things and things that we agree on and we feel strongly about the things that we go after. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. leads into another question is, you know, what are some, some traits and qualities that you think um, make for a great partner, a great life partner? Um. Uh, a, a great life partner, um, it's kind of like what I just said, has sharing goals and values and, and, and working towards them. Um, you got to have open communication, uh, honesty, um, you know, like, like to try to keep our relationship tight. We have date nights, you know what I mean? Uh, we make sure that one day out of the week we go out to dinner or do a movie or, or we'll do something together on a weekend. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I tell you, it's, it's an empty mess now. And, and I used to say, well, you know, when the girls are gone, you know, I'm going to enjoy this house and enjoy my wife. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. <laughs> and when you're here, I'm just as happy as I can be, you know. So <laughs> come visit more often tomorrow. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap up, um, I wanted to ask you, can you leave the audience um, with one piece of advice that you'd like to give them? And this specifically actually is for, for black fathers, young black fathers, um, you know, who may have not had children yet, are expecting children or, or are parents to young people. What kind of advice can you give to them? Um. My advice would be, if you have daughters, um, they may outgrow your lap, but they'll never outgrow your heart. Um, so that, that means stay, stay close with your daughters. Be a part of their lives. Let them know that you're there to support them. Um, and, and be the best positive role, mo- role model that you, you can be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you asked me a question about my mother and my father and how they raised me. I can tell you this. My father raised me uh, to be a man, but my mother taught me to be a man. Mm-hmm. There were so many... The, 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 there were so many things that my mother taught me um, that you would think that you could probably get from your father, but the kind of relationship that I have with my mother, there was nothing that we wouldn't talk about. 
I mean, mm-hmm. you name it, we talked about it. Uh, girls, uh, sex, uh, marriage. My mother and I, we still have that relationship today. And so um, they always say that you can tell men by how close they are to their mothers. And I can have, I can say that I was a mama's boy and I'm still a mama's boy. <laughs> and I, I go to my mother's house right now and, and we talk and I lay my head in her lap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have that type of relationship. I'm a 50-year-old man, but I'm still her baby, just like you're still my <laughs> baby. I love so, that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate you, um, you know, having a conversation with me for the podcast. People feel so okay. bad, right? Didn't you feel comfortable? No, no, no. Because you made us feel as though we were just having a conversation. I told you. I told you. So, exactly so I'll add a little bit of anxiety for, for no reason at all. You? Thanks with for, anxiety? Thanks. I can't. Well, you know, it's like this. I do some public speaking, and I can tell uh-huh. you every time I'm in front of an audience, audience I'm, I'm, um, I'm a little bit nervous. But you but always once do I get so going, well. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, you know I, I, think, I think what I learned, and... Um, I, I learned that when I'm when I'm doing a presentation, I'm the subject matter expert. They're depending yeah. on the information that I give them. Yeah. So when I learned that learned that, um, it made it a lot easier for uh, me to talk publicly. Yeah. Which is something that I always had you and your sister do uh, mm-hmm. speak publicly and you know reading and writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, this mm-hmm. was great. Again, I appreciate you. Thank you. I love you. I love you, too. To the moon and back, kids. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Dad. All right. Bye, honey. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you consume podcasts, make sure that you are subscribing to the show so you never miss an episode going forward. Okay, thank you so much for listening to the show again. I'm your host, Pia Simone, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!